Hello and welcome to the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're recording this on Sunday morning, January 9th, 2022. I am Larry Rhodes or Doubter 5. And as usual, we have our co-host, Wombat, on the line with us. Hello, Wombat. Hello. And our guests today are John Richards from across the pond in England. Hello and welcome. And George Brown, the two and a halfs from uh, Tennessee. Welcome, welcome. Uh, Digital Free Thought Radio Hour is a talk radio show about atheism, free thought, rational thought, humanism and the sciences and conversely we'll also talk about religion religious faiths gods holy books and superstitions and if you get the feeling that you're the only non-believer in town well you're just not in knoxville a small southern town in bible belt we have over a thousand of us and we'll tell you more about the ask or atheist society of knoxville after the mid-show break Uh, right now wombat what are we going to be talking about today you just didn't believe hard enough. That's the uh, today's show. I think it's mm-hmm. going to be a fun one. Blaming the victim. The, blaming the victim mm-hmm. or lack of falsifiability and acclaim. So right. many, so many little persnickety problems that I love to talk about. We've got the best crew to talk about it today. Mm-hmm. Before we get mm-hmm. into the meat and potatoes, let's have a quick little review. Have you been over the last week? I know some of us had more extreme stories than the other. But uh, I, before George beats everyone's story, how about this? I'll just throw out mine quick. Uh, I beat a guy who was very good at disc golf yesterday, and I felt very good about that. I put a little feather in my hat, but I didn't make it a big deal. I was just like, hey, we're out here having fun. When I got home, I was like, I got him. (laughs) (laughs) John Richards, how you been? Well, I've been the best I've been for a week. Yeah, oh, wow, yeah. wow. So no sickness? You didn't contract some new ammonia or some new strain <laughs> of, no. like, monkey flu or something like that? What's going on? No, no, no. I, I've finally tunneled my way out from the mountain of phlegm. Okay. <laughs> if that's a picture you want, that, uh, <laughs> that, that, that COVID inspires, and, and I feel pretty good, yeah. Have your family finally let you out of the attic? Are you no longer the old sick guy that lives <laughs> <laughs> in the loft? Like he can, well, uh, we have so we can come down now. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, our upstairs is a loft conversion, so there's no attic. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Fantastic. I'm so glad to see you have a bill of good health, and I hope you keep it up. Uh, yeah. It's more fun times are coming for sure. Larry, how you been over since last week? Oh, fine. I've been playing a lot of uh, virtual games. Uh, Half Life, Alex, more than anything yeah. else. Watching you look the news. Huh? Has it been scary? You look rattled. Has it been scary? Have you been? How many jump scares yeah. have you had? Um, there's a guy in there named Jeff that you got that got to deal with. He's a monster, literally. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and you, you've got to you can't kill him, so you got to evade him. Anyway, how it's long a lot of can fun. you do VR? Just wondering, how long can you do a VR session? Well, on a single charge, you can go anywhere between one and two hours. Uh, mm. And after about an hour, I'm kind of wrong. It's okay. it's a little intense. 
Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, during this week, I've been rel- reliving the events of January 6th from last sure. year on yeah, TV and stuff. That. And I think we need to keep that in our minds as much as we keep 9-11 or anything else. Pearl Harbor, it was a direct threat to our democracy. It may yeah. not have been an external threat, but it was still a threat. And it was still uh, possible to have lost it at that time. Yeah, absolutely. So keep, keep that in mind. Mm. All right. So never forget. Don't right. a lot of days in January, they're starting to toll up. But yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. Don't. Yeah, I remember well, when that happened. I told everyone in my crew, "Hey, don't come, go and, home, and don't come to work. We don't know if there's going to be a state of emergency." Right. And it wasn't just the Capitol building. I just want to make that a point. It was almost every state level right. Capitol building that was also but under it, attack. But it was yeah. one particular um, political party, and you need yep. to keep that in mind too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Hey, well, there's no secrets here. Like we all know how bad of a president Trump was, and right. that shouldn't go under any, you know ambiguous claims that was mm-hmm. objectively horrendous four years right george brown second and a half so you had a pretty boring week right well i've spent the boring week in the hospital <laughs> <laughs> I, I spent new years in the hospital waiting for the insurance company to come to work so they could approve a procedure and uh they we're happy having a good time on New Year's Eve and didn't do anything. So uh, I spent an, another two or three days in the hospital. And then they came back and said, you're doing so well, we're not going to pay for anything. <laughs> oh, man. So would you mind giving me a flashback if you, if you feel comfortable sharing it? Uh, why were yeah. you in the hospital? Were you having a well, baby I had, or something? He was just so handsome. That was a problem. No, no I, I, had a, I, I had a stroke yep. is what happened. So... Um, it, it's a you know major issue, <laughs> and um, I feel like I'm I'm coming along, and I hope I am. I I want to regain the use of my fingers on my left hand, which I used to have, and this because I'm a good typist and I'm I'm a mu- musician by training, so my fingers are important to me, right. and um, you know. The, I've been feeling like my left hand is a club. Mm. It's about about as useful as a club, mm. and and so it's. Uh, I feel like I'm coming along. It's like the the insurance company. I, I can't disagree with them. You know, it's like they said, "Well, the guy's doing so well. Why should we pay for a nursing home?" Yeah, right. Wow. It's true. Wow, it's wow. true. So so I'll be getting um, I'll be getting help. Uh, physical therapy and occupational therapy starting tomorrow, and I'm really looking forward to it. I am I'm very eager. It's another chapter uh, of the romance between George and his physical therapist visiting his door. So, well, I'm that's really true. Really yeah, I I, I, <laughs> I I really like the occupational therapists a lot. Good. Um, and part of that is because they're women. You know, I'm not. I, I have not learned yet that women are not magic. And okay. It's, it's like I, I, you know, all my life I've just thought that females are magical, which is not true, but it's what I believe. It could be true, George, <laughs> if you believed hard enough. Hard enough. Hard enough. <laughs> which, got us, which gets us nicely to the topic at hand. So I do want to talk about it. George, uh, John Richards is pointing down. I imagine he's 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 telling everyone to check their 
paw screen or check bars or something. I'm pointing at you, the Segway master. Ah, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So, guys, I wanted to talk about when you're told or you're having a conversation with someone who is a deep believer, maybe a theist, and you're having a conversation about the matters of faith and how we could test that to come up with a reliable way to know if their belief is reasonable or not reasonable, rational, not rational, or at least have some sort of test where it can give you like an indication if they're on the right track or not. Because a lot of people can claim, I believe in this God and let that be all the proof that they have, just the confidence in the claim itself. But when it comes to testing it or a good methodical way to test it, that's when we can parse true things from false things. And what I found on a number of instances is that I've been approached by people who, when I ask them, how can we test this? And they give me a test. And I say, okay, so if the test happened and it happened exactly as you said it would, that would prove that your God exists. Well, what happens if it doesn't happen the way that you explained to me? It's like, well, then I just didn't believe hard enough. And I hear that and it makes my heart turn upside down and makes my stomach do a little backwards flip. Mm -hmm. Because in my head, that's an argument that regardless of whatever the outcome, they're still holding the same conclusion. And in science, that's a bad test. Maybe we could have a roundtable discussion on that. John Richards, do you agree with me that that's a bad way to set up the test? Absolutely. And, and what puzzles me is how do you vary the strength of your belief? I mean, is there, hmm. what, what is it? Is there a volume knob or, or maybe it's a, <laughs> <laughs> How? Yeah. How could I believe any more right now that my shirt yeah. flew, right? It's like, <laughs> I'm looking at it already, but could I believe in more than it? How do I do that? Uh, it, 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 it puts some really interesting concepts on, is belief a choice? And if it is a choice, is it a variable choice that you yes. can increase like a gas pedal? What, yes. uh, Larry, what well, do you think uh, is belief? Oh, go on, George, what's up? Yeah, on, on, John's, on John's test meter, it goes up to 11. It goes up to <laughs> <laughs> Well done. Larry, believe a choice? Can no. we bear them? <clears throat> oh, my gosh. No. I mean, uh, it's a simple test. Can you choose to believe in Santa Claus is real? I mean, mm. can you choose to believe something uh, like that? Uh, it's the same with, like, homosexuality. Can you just choose which sexual orientation you are? Like, let's say you're heterosexual. Could, could you just choose to start liking men like you do women? It's not a choice, and neither is belief. You are convinced certain things are true. Those are your beliefs. You can become non-convinced. You can be unconvinced uh, with proper evidence. And then those new beliefs would be what your what your beliefs are. But you can't just switch them on and off like a light. So I think you're coming to an interesting point. I want to just highlight it. You're saying belief is a product of whether or not you're convinced or not. Yes, you have no yes. control of whether or not you believe something, just whether you can be convinced of it or not, right? Right. Mm -hmm. John Richards, what's up? Well, I have an interesting different take on this from Larry, because hmm. I think that you can't choose your first belief because that is inducted into you at the same time as you learn language. Hmm. So as you learn your language, whatever language that might be, people are speaking about their God and you're picking it up as part of the culture that you're in. <laughs> I would find wow. these two ideas wholly compatible. Like he's saying you can't choose your beliefs and you're saying you can't choose your first belief. I'd say you can't choose any of them. Well, okay. I, talk to me. I think you can choose your second belief. You ah. see, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can choose which language to take when you get to high school. You'd be like, I want to learn Spanish. Well, but that's if you not a belief. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I want to learn Spanish. <laughs> 
if you if you can't choose your second belief, then how did Cassius Clay, Baptist, become Muhammad Ali Muslim? He was convinced. Yeah, he was. He convinced. was convinced by people who were religious that he needed to change his beliefs. And right. he, he studied it and became convinced that Islam was true, mm-hmm. and he changed his beliefs. You know, there you go. Or, or they, uh, he, he changed his convictions, which were reflected in his beliefs. So at that stage, it's a choice. Uh, no, he was convinced. I mean, can you uh, choose what you're convinced of and what you're not convinced of? <laughs> well, no. I wouldn't want to argue with Muhammad Ali, to be honest. You know, so He'll punch your lights out. Yes, you, are, you, you can't argue with him because he's not alive anymore. Oh yes, that is a handicap. I agree. <laughs> I wanna, I wanna, I wanna poke the salient topic real quick, and then can we go? We'll go straight to George. You're saying basically that because Muhammad mm-hmm. Ali switched religions, that's a demonstration of choice of belief that he chose. But I feel like there's a conflation on the on the on the word belief mm-hmm. in terms of he moved from one religious system to the next. Could have, because he could have easily seen that other religious doctrine and not been convinced that it was rational any more than Christianity and, and rejected it. Like, I think in the most basal level, there was a conviction on his part to get away from what the culture of America was, particularly how it treated black people. And he saw a better way of treatment by, you know, I think that had more to do Islam. with it than, than the supernatural beliefs I do. Yeah. And that's that was the hook that got him into, OK, mm-hmm. and what else is in here? Fine. This is what I'll follow, because this is a lot better than right. the system I was in mm-hmm. before. Like literally my country's villainizing me for not going to war. Now, what do you guys got? I'm convinced with whatever you guys have. I think there's a lot more. It's a much more complex thing. And I think all, he was convinced all, of it. A lot of it was could be lip service too. just saying that he believed things that he didn't in order to become part of that, that culture. Mm. It's also not the first time that a major religion will pick up a very big celebrity and right. tout that celebrity as, oh, sure. and look, we have Tom Cruise. That makes sense normal because you like Tom Cruise, right? Oh, we have this guy. We have this guy. We have Muhammad Ali. Who was a better boxer? Who's a bigger, more famous athlete than this guy, right? We even changed his name. That's how popular he is. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. George, what do you think? Well, uh, uh, Larry mentioned something about a, a person's first belief system being something that was imposed on them from the outside at the beginning. Mm. And um I want to say that I did not have that, and I, John, uh, John grew up in a different culture than than I did. It's like um, the UK has an official religion, and New York City, where I grew up, does not, and that's something that is distinctly distinctive about the history of New York City, going way back to the Dutch. It was a commercial colony to begin with. It was all about money, and because I think because there were so many so many strong religions around New York City, no, no one of them took precedence over another. It was a like a test bed for our belief that church and state should be separate, in, in a sense. So I I not only grew up without without a a concept of God in the house whatsoever, wow. but it was also not imposed upon me in any way externally. Yeah, if anything, even that's not a great not even when I went to school, John. Yeah, what do you have? I really want to hear what you have to say about that. Well, well, you you've raised a number of interesting things there. 
for for a start, you raise money. Now that's something else that we have to have, <laughs> isn't it? It's, it's fiat currencies, the ones which are not based on gold or another precious actual item. Fiat currencies, the ones that governments decree should be having right. mm. having a value. Yeah, they have to be believed in, and mm. and if that belief fails, then you mm. end up with you know 1929 America or 1922 Germany. Have I got? I might have got the date wrong there. You know where everybody was carrying wheelbarrows of drachmas. No, not drachmas. Yes, yes, drachmas yes. Greek. Greek. Yeah, yeah, the wrong wrong currency. But a currency right. would have been useless, a, just as useless, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but a currency is definitely something that you have to believe in, and you can choose pretty much oh. whether or not to believe in it. Because sometimes whole populations choose not to believe in it. Yeah, in a more modern context, we have this new thing called cryptocurrencies, and mm. there are a lot of different kinds of cryptocurrencies that yeah. all essentially represent a monetary dollar value. And yes. if you have money and you want to invest in cryptocurrencies, you have a wealth of options. Some are good investments, some aren't, but they're all based on the confidence of a particular system because they yeah. have no inherent value on their own. They're only what people are willing to pay to get more yeah. of those coins. Mm. Well, uh, let me let me get back to John. The question I asked John, uh, or I, I am, I was going to ask John, is uh, you've lived in a country that has an official religion, yeah, well, which we yeah. don't have in the United States. How yeah. how do you see that as coloring the upbringing of an atheist? Let's say, well, again, that's another very interesting aspect that you raise there, because of course, although we have an official religion. We're theoretically we we own the Anglican religion. It's established as part of our state. That doesn't work in practice. Mm, exactly. It's, it's the opposite of the U.S. of A., where you have a secular constitution, but right. Christianity is rampant, particularly right. Baptist Christianity. Absolutely. So, Tell me about it. Well, surrounded here. <laughs> so, so the thing to do if you want to see a dwindling of religion is to establish it, to make it part of your state so that then it feels privileged and doesn't have to mission, missionarize your population. And gradually it dwindles away. People lose interest in it and the churches have to be sold off. I want, to, I want to underscore what you just said, because if I look at Italy and France and um, one other country, it's, oh, Ireland, mm. they're, they're all Catholic. And, uh, and the Ireland way, the would way, have some contention with that, but okay. Okay. The way I see that is that the Catholic Church has been so established and so extreme in its inflexibility that has given the populace a very rigid springboard against which to rebel mm -hmm. and that they have done it and they've done it very successfully yeah, yeah look well, at france and the rebellion there yes yeah, so i do so i will throw out something here i think it's not so much and i and john richards i get i get the joke uh it's not so much let church have a, a official state and then let them get lazy and then enjoy the yeah there's there's some contradictions there Go yeah ahead. there's there's a really good history in in the american culture where we weren't as religious as we are now it's been a progressive thing and we've been letting it happen 
And we need to get to the idea of reminding ourselves what we intended to make this country be when we, when we originally started it and getting back at least in, in principles to that, where we truly did have a separation of church and state and didn't have nearly as much influence as they do now. Yeah. We had like, for example, uh, uh, what was it? The Pledge of Allegiance that didn't have any mentions of gods. Then 1950s during McCarthyism, we've instituted it in. And all of a sudden you had to be super American, which meant you had to be super Christians and Christians funded that idea. And next thing you know, we're warping the idea of what Americana is. Also, they're they're taking, they're using the government to take money away from our ed- education system and fund yep. The religious schools, uh, yeah. the voucher programs, and all that is—it's—it's it's a um, oh, what do you call it? zero cost? What do you call it? Zero something game. Zero something yeah. game cost. Yeah. Uh, whenever you take money for a voucher from the government, that's money that our public schools do not have uh, to further uh, a common education. And this has been happening more and more and more homeschooling. And the less education you have, the more right religion, religious belief will be. And speaking well, of believing more, churches aren't in the business of giving reasonable answers to problems. They are in the business of giving lip service and no feasible material products or anything actually worthwhile because if you right. get fixed you're not going to need the church anymore so they have to keep giving you a little bit of poison and make sure you keep coming back so they can keep getting your money they're not in the interest of you solving a problem they just want to supply you with additional mystery and what better mystery than an ambiguous god you've never met you have to keep believing more even if your thing didn't work out. Even if your experiment didn't work out, it's your fault. It's not God's fault. It's you for not believing hard enough. And that's one of the most, you know, hurtful things that I could hear knowingly being given to me by someone who's so ignorant of the fact that they're being used by uh, a very clever pastor or a pastor who's fallen so deep into the system that he doesn't see it for himself and continues to espouse it to his, you know, congregation. Uh, I'm sorry. John Richards. John Richards, go ahead and then Larry, go on and take us out. I was going to expound a bit on what we've just been talking about, because what we've done in this country is since we made the religion part of the state, we've made it unnecessary for them to to battle to get their doctrines adopted. So we've effectively made them toothless. There's no need for them. Whereas in the States, you've got people who are desperate to get their doctrines adopted by the state. So now, I know my Tudor history well enough to know that making the, the, the Henry VIII making of the, the Anglican church was not a smooth process. No, like no, you guys no. had a couple hundred years ahead of we us did. and yeah, sorting yeah. it out compared to pointing, yeah, yeah, pointing yeah. fingers at us now. So- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, was, there was a lot of executions on both sides. <laughs> <laughs> but, so forgive us if, if we're doing it in our own little weird And how, how different would it be if the Roman Catholic Church was still in your in, uh, the official religion of, of England rather than event, um, the, the what is the church that you currently have? I can't think of it. The church Anglican. Of Anglican. Anglican, right? Yeah. They're a much more fundamentalist, much more uh, strict church than Anglicanism is. Um, their beliefs are much more hardcore. Um, looking down through the ages to you know the pogroms and the yes. um, the religious wars that they had in institutions. Uh, it could have whole, been a whole different story had Henry VIII not stepped in. And Absolutely. It would have made the next crusade a lot easier. How right. About that? Exactly. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah, we had we had wedge burnings with the rest of Europe, of course. Yes. Sure. But but, um, the thing about Anglicanism is, it's it's a range. You have Mm. high church and low church, and at the the low church end is really uh, Protestant. You know, we have the Methodists, Mm -hmm. and then then at the high church end, it's nearly Catholic. Mm. Uh, We we say that's the smells and bells version. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Well, let's get to the break here. Uh, this has been the well, the first half of the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. And we'll be right back after this short break. How could one species turn into another? How is it that we find ourselves surrounded by such complexity, such elegance? The genes of you and me, the genes of you and me, we're all made of DNA. We're all made of the same chemical DNA. We're all made of DNA. We're all made of the same chemical. Only the fittest survive, and that was the key. Was the key. Natural selection. That was the key. We are surrounded by endless forms. Most beautiful, most wonderful evolution, the greatest show on earth. There is grandeur in this view of life. Most beautiful, most wonderful evolution, the greatest show on earth. The history of life can be thought of as a many branched tree. The five kingdoms of life were established early on. Bacteria, protists, amoeba-like creatures, fungi, plants, and animals. We find ourselves perched on one tiny twig, in the midst of a blossoming tree of life. Perched on one tiny twig, in the midst of a blossoming tree of life. Only the fittest survive, and that was the key. Natural selection, that was the key. We are surrounded by endless forms, most beautiful, most wonderful evolution, the greatest show on earth. There is grandeur in this view of life, most beautiful, most wonderful evolution, the greatest show on earth. surrounded by millions of other species, walking, flying, burrowing, stalking, chasing, fleeing, outpacing. Animals strive to reach this one ultimate goal, to ensure the survival of the next generation. This one ultimate goal, to pass on their genes, that is what life is all about, is all about. There is grandeur in this view of life Most beautiful, most wonderful evolution The greatest show on earth As we look back on the history of life We see a picture of never-ending, ever-rejuvenating novelty Those animals may seem to us to be very remote, strange, even fantastic But all of us alive today owe our very existence to them 
Welcome back to the second half of the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. I'm Doubter Five, and we're on WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Now, let's talk just for a second about the Atheist Society of Knoxville. ASK was founded in 2002. We're in our 20th year. ASK has over a thousand members, and we have weekly in-person uh, meetings here in Knoxville's Old City at Barley's Tap Room and Pizzeria. Uh, look for us on the inside at the high top tables. Usually, we're the loudest, happiest group there. <laughs> Tuesday, Tuesday evening. If you'd like to join our Tuesday evening virtual meeting, say you don't live in Knoxville but like to join in a atheist conversation or just a bunch of atheists talking about anything under the sun, email us at askanatheist at knoxvilleatheist.org or letschatse at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, meetup.com, or at knoxvilleatheist.org, or just Google Knoxville Atheist. It's just that simple. Also, uh, if you if you don't, I'm sorry. By the way, if you don't live in Knoxville, you should still go to Meetup and do a search for an atheist group in your town. Don't find one. Start, Start one. That's right. Wombat, where you want to pick up? Hey, so we were talking about the idea of not believing hard enough and why it's actually a dangerous thing to hear and for you to say to other people, because it doesn't mean that you're giving yourself a test that's falsifiable and puts the blame on you as the believer when something doesn't work out. And it just puts you in a morse position where people can abuse your best interests. Uh, George, you had some additional comments. Yes, uh, I wanted to give an example of of one that that's coming at, coming in out of left field and not religious in the conventional sense about this concept of not believing strongly enough. Mm. Um, as you know, I moved here from California, here being Tennessee, uh, rural Tennessee. And mm. um, so uh, after, in 40 years of living in Northern California, I will say that I was exposed to the spirituality Nazis. And I was in a, I was Choose in a, a group. Nice word, why don't you? Choose a harsh word. <laughs> okay, the the spiritual fascists. <laughs> That's a nicer <laughs> word. It's fine either way. It's fine either way. <laughs> and so I was in a, I was in a meeting with a fellow who had muscular muscular sclerosis, and he was his he was a young fellow, but his nonetheless his condition was was continuously deteriorating and and he was uh, defiant you know that he was going to be as independent as he could despite the fact that the the disease was progressing and um, you know I, I would watch him he he had a, a minivan and he would all by himself, he would hurl his wheelchair into the back of the minivan and then hold himself up by by holding onto the roof of the minivan and inching his way around to the driver's door. People accused him of not believing strongly enough mm. in his own spiritual healing and that the disease was winning because he yeah. was guilty of They're not blaming the victim. Yeah. Blaming the victim. That's good, Larry. Wow. Yeah. The word needless guilt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so he, here are the, here are people who are rebelling against conventional religion. You know, and what the hell are they doing? One quick comment. One quick comment. Because I, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. And how many people 
are in the belief that um, it's just the flu, it's just something that's going to go away, or the vaccines don't actually work, and that they were made too quick, and they're not effective whatsoever. And if I believe that hard enough, even if my friends who believe that with me die, it's, it's the fact that they must have done something wrong, because I, as the one true anti-vaxxer, have the right strategy in mind. And yeah. how much are we suffering as a community because and, of that? And, until you get it. Until you yeah. get it. And then at that point, what do you do then? Just believe harder? Like, we already know we can't do that. Well, right? you, at that point, you realize that what you were believing prior was false because you have plenty of faith, but you still got it and you're dying and everybody around you is saying you don't have enough faith. Mm-hmm. So how do, you, how do you get that concept to somebody else? Yeah, yeah. How do you convince somebody so that they can believe the different thing that you did? One thing that I that I keep noticing is that the story for um, what's wrong keeps changing as as the science proves this or that or the other thing. A new a new narrative comes in as to why people shouldn't, let's say, get vaccinated. Mm. So the, it's the a latest excuse. Yeah, the, the latest one that I heard, and this is from a nurse in a hospital that treats COVID patients, was that the vaccine has not been tested enough and therefore I'm not going to get vaccinated. Right. And she lost her job because of this. Ah, oh, well, I I would almost be happy for it. <laughs> it's time we like start cracking down on it. But I've heard as crazy things as there's chips in it to there's other diseases in it to that's it's just salt water. It's all placebo. Like I've like we've been on the front lines and trying to figure out ways to mass produce these vaccines at our company. And it's a rampant even people at our jobs will have excuses that pop up and you're like, but you're helping make the thing. What are you doing? It's just like. It's a really crazy situation. John, it sounded like you had a comment. Yeah, we've had some cases over here where <clears throat> hospital patients, and 80% of the patients in, uh, in intensive care at the moment mm. are unvaccinated. Yeah. And we've had cases where, as they've been being fitted with a respirator, you know, a ventilator to help them breathe, they've finally managed to mumble, I'll have the vaccine now. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep, and it's too late. It's too yeah. late at this point. They don't understand preventative medicine. They never had it explained well enough to them, maybe, oh. perhaps, so that they could be convinced. Or they were never in a culture that allowed them to have a chance at being convinced. And sometimes, yeah. how much can we learn properly? How much can we actually objectively learn about this reality if we break out of the cultures that we are in right now that are somewhat toxic yeah. to reality, right? George, well, what I'm talking about is is the rotating justifications against the core belief, which is anti-science. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is truth doesn't tend to wiggle as much in terms of narrative as really, really delicious lies. So, like, when we have a problem that's truthful, it's always the same answer every single time. It's boring. It's just like, oh, I know, I know. There's too many people and we're throwing away too much stuff and we're making the world a bad place for us to continue to live here. Or (laughs) maybe there's too many brown people in this neighborhood (laughs) start voting for more Republicans. And it's like, wait, hold on, hold on. It's like, wait, wait, I think I'm onto something here. It's like, listen to this guy. It's like, no, listen to that guy. We, uh we we oh. fall into the same hole every single time. John yeah. Well, 
you've touched on something there on, on the subject of lies are more attractive than truth. Mm. It, you, you can apply that to a lot of things because who do you think of or what uh, field of enterprise do you think of when I say something like stories that are colorful, exciting and designed to entertain? News, 24 hour news. Okay, go a little okay. bit further. Uh, can I name specific programs you want, or like BBC? No, no I was two? I was thinking I was thinking of another another field that uh, we atheists like to poke at. <laughs> Church wow. pastors, I, don't put me on the hot spot, Larry. What, help me out here. <laughs> well, no, I was thinking of of the Bible and the other, ah, of course, sacred, yeah. and the other religious uh, sources because. They're full of these stories that are exciting and colorful and designed to entertain. It's not just, you know, lies about science. And, and on that front, it's not just science itself, is it? It's hatred of the government that drives people to disbelieve what they're told. All right. John Richards, I have a question for you. I, you threw me off with designed to entertain because have you read the Bible? It is not an entertaining book. It is a really, really rough book to get through. I made the effort to read through it three times, maybe twice in, the, in my adulthood. And yes. I fell asleep just yes. like this begot this guy, this begot. It was like, oh, my God. Yeah, most of the good out. stories are in the first book. They were in the first couple yeah, of pages. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then after that, it's all you know, just Jewish history. <laughs> Fantasized Jewish history, as it were. Oh, he's taking water out of a well. Oh, my God. Or, or in the Gospels, of course, they've got some tasty stories. But you, I think where you've gone wrong is you've read the original ancient English version. You should be re reading the, the kids' version, you know, trying the, oh, okay. Okay. What's the kids' version difference between the two, if you know what I mean? Uh, well, it, it's, it's rewritten in simple language. You, you need to get a book of Bible stories for children. <laughs> so very, is it like Jesus took out his cell phone and TikToked everybody that <laughs> and he's coming back and people are like, oh, yeah, I'll retweet that. They're much more palatable. <laughs> we'll leave on that. George, you had some questions about the Church of England, actually, since we're getting closer to it. Do you happen to remember what you were going to ask? If not, I Absolutely ask. not. I, I have no memory. Of so, John Richards, you were saying something about there being a lower church and a higher church. In, yes. In the way how Church of England is structured. How did that come about? Well, I'm not a historian, but hundreds of years ago, the Roman Catholic Church was very corrupt. Mm. The the popes were treated like emperors. But they were and, called innocents. What are you talking about? <laughs> innocent in the name. It's all. It's always a good idea to label yourself something that you're not. Um, <laughs> I mean, think of all the countries that have Democrat or democracy in their oh, name. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Actually, dictatorships. Anyway, what happened was there was a, um, an, a reaction against this corruption in the, in the church. And he started, I believe, in Germany, where there was Martin Luther. And, he, right. and, and this coincided with the invention of printing. So he was able to get his message out better than anybody else at the time. And so that spread. We had, uh, there was a lot of to and froing in Europe. Holland Europe, uh, and the UK became very close pals. And uh, so we got uh, our version of Martin Luther was John Wesley, who set up the Methodist uh, church in, in the UK. Mm -hmm. 
And, and then <laughs> we got some really extreme Protestant, like the Pilgrim Fathers, and we sent them over to you. Yes. <laughs> These guys are too crazy. Go over there. And they're like, sure, this will work out well. So how did that actually bifurcate into two structures of the church? Are you saying then basically what we're looking at is a natural breakdown of the, cor- the, the massive corrupt Catholic church being what is now today the influences, the major influence of the high church? And then all of these breakdown Methodists being more uh, common to lower churches, I guess more, uh, how do I put it? The, the more culturally informed side, what's the best way of saying this? Larry, you have a saying where the more a church pulls away from its dogma, the more it actually becomes compatible with Well, with uh, I, right? I, I, my saying basically was Christians uh, uh, Muslims, um, any religious people uh, are good people in inverse proportion to how closely they follow their religion's uh, text. Right. Right. And it seems like the lower church seems to reflect the, hey, 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 we're going towards this way, more progressive, whereas the high church is more stuck in the bells and smells. Well, I forget forget how many different um, denominations of baptism you have over in the u.s innumerable innumerable innumerable. it's thousands and and out of christianity as a whole there must be i don't know thirty thousand different uh, sects so what we're looking at here is a desire for people to be right and therefore Mm. they want their god to agree with them right listen i can tell you right now if you go to a, a baptist church here even in tennessee the first pew has 10 people in it there's 14 versions of baptism or Baptist church in that own own pew. It only is one guy who's talking, but he doesn't even have control of everyone that's in in that congregation. And I've seen that so many times. So it's, I think it's an almost an innumerable number. It's as many people plus more different variations of what God is and what it means to them. And you'll hear this. You'll hear this. Speaking of uh, it's important to believe you'll hear that God is necessarily having a personal relationship with every single person. Therefore, what God means to one person is going to be truthfully and objectively a different thing for another person. Therefore, for as many different people and believers as there are in that God, there are that many valid variations of that God. So when you say you don't believe my God, that's totally fine because I just need to have a personal relationship with my God to be happy. And that's all I need for me. And if you, if that turns out to be wrong, well, then I just wasn't believing hard enough. Oh, my brain explodes. My brain explodes. <laughs> well, you were, you were not believing. <laughs> you were not believing hard enough in his God, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have to believe in your God. I have to believe in my God. Well, I'll, go, I'll still go to your church. But still, so I was good. talking to uh, my former um, father-in-law, because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, my second wife is uh, Ghanaian. Um, we're no longer an item, but we still live in the same house. But I was speaking to my father-in-law one time, lovely fellow. We got on really well, had a number of pints together. He's, he's dead now, sadly. But uh, I pointed to an example of a really crazy pastor, a Ghanaian pastor, who I think he was making his flock eat the grass or some yeah. really... Oh, no. that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I was talking about this over a pint with my former father-in-law. And, and so I asked him, how do you tell 
false pastors, because he was down crying the nasty false pastors who are giving proper religion a bad reputation. <laughs> so I asked him, how you tell a false Great pastor question. Great from question. a real pastor, you see. Okay, and what do and, you think? He, he didn't really have a satisfactory answer, but I do. I've got a message. Please tell me what he said first. And then I want to know. I just want to know in my head or it's going to bother me all day. What did he say? <laughs> well, he just, I can't really remember his exact words. This is some years ago. But he okay. just waffled a bit about whether they belonged to a, an, an authentic bona fide. Whether they were part of a group that believed har- the right way yeah, or yeah, hard yes. enough. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, so, so would you like to hear my method for telling absolutely. a false pastor from a, a, from a real one? Sure. Well, Presumably, a real pastor has a better line of communication to God than a false one does. Right? Okay. So sure all you have to do is get them both to pray for something and see who gets the best result. Ah, but you see, the one who fails just didn't believe hard enough. Yes. <laughs> and their God's still very much real and true. You know, it boils down to me what is falsifiability. In in science, we have a standard called falsifiability in terms of determining how rational conclusion is. The more falsifiable your conclusion or your your statement, the better, because you're basically setting yourself up to whether you get a yes or no, a a green light or a red light, or uh, one an on or off on your test, whatever it is, you set it up for binary conditions and you will learn something of value, whether it's up or down or left or not left, whatever it is. But when you have a non-falsifiable claim, or if you have an unfalsifiable claim, you basically put yourself in a position with regardless, whatever conclusion or result you end up with, you're only reinforcing the initial bias or the initial impression you had at the start. Especially if you've already got an excuse planned for when it doesn't go your way. Uh, yes. If it reinforces your view, hey, you're right. If it doesn't, well, God has a mysterious plan right. type of answer. And if, say if you're making vaccines, right, for the for COVID, you, you, do two, you have two bottles, A and B, and you want to see which one works better. And you think it's going to be A. So you do A 100 times, you do B 100 times, and B works every single time, even though you didn't believe it was going to work. A didn't work a single time. But you know what? Maybe you just didn't believe hard enough. <laughs> Let's do the test over again. You're like, you're wasting so much time. People's precious lives are dependent on you being able to do your work and, yeah. and executing it properly. And thankfully, science doesn't operate in that kind of scope. You, there's a lot of barriers in terms of how to design an experiment to stop that kind of bias from ruining the, the efficiency of a test or a testing sequence. Yeah. However, no one applies that to their faith or what their belief systems are. And what we find is that the care that people put into things like, is my car working? Are my brake lights on or off? My, the, is there gas in my car? We don't even apply that same basal level of fact checking to our beliefs on whether or not a God exists or whether or not we're wasting our money by tithing, things like that. Ah, I wish yeah. we did. What's up, George? Well, it, it, the other guy's belief is the cult, but mine is not. I have I have a pipeline directly to the truth by way of God myself. But the other guy, eh, he's a cult. Yeah. This is like Larry's wonderful statement, you know, everybody's going to somebody else's hell. Yeah. yeah. It's all, it's also, every preacher is a false preacher to some other religion. Yeah. It's really fun to ask a religious person what they mean by cult and ask them to define it. Yes. And see what yeah. the response they get is. Yes. And, just, yeah. and try not to smile. 
try to be like really serious <laughs> if you listen to it it's just like well oh boy they're really into like talking and taking your money and and they have these weird things with talking animals and like drinking juice and like and they say it's the body of their something's like are we talking about christianity it's like no 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 of course not maybe we are let me try another thing uh guys final words on the idea of not believing hard enough the true oh. dangers of it what do you think john richards yeah, sure. I don't think we've solved the problem of how to believe harder anyway. Is it, <laughs> is it, a, is it a pedal to the metal thing? <laughs> do, you, do you have to spend more time praying or what? Mm. I mean, the, the Muslims spend five, five prayers a day, every day, don't they? They're really sure. the fundamentalist ones. So, they claim to. I have family that are yes. Muslim that just say, I do it, but if I skip a couple... Yeah, it's all good. It's all good because it's all good. So it strikes to me. It strikes me that uh, going by that, then the Islamic religion is much harder in terms of its belief than any other religion. <clears throat> than any other religion? Well, I mean, clearly there are religions that are not sustainable for human life that just have not fostered enough people to promote it, right? Well, maybe they're not. Uh, missionarizing hard enough. <laughs> yeah, right. George, or George. Uh, I have the answer. Take uh, Pastor George Brown, the two and a half's uh, amazing course on how to believe strongly enough. Only forty nine ninety five. Send it there to you George go. Brown, there the you two go. and a half. I love it. Yeah, I, Larry, what's up? Well, I was just going to say the way to believe harder uh, is at least what the preacher would have you do is uh, be skeptical less, question less, Ooh. have more faith in what he says is Ooh. is true. In other yeah. words, follow what he says, and that would be believing harder, whether yeah. you internalize it or not. It's good well, enough. Money. That yeah. is the perfect nail on the head. It's basically put yourself in a more vulnerable position, uh -huh. and that will show that you believe more. I was going to take that same route, but I think you have the most extreme truthful uh, example i would say people who try to believe more follow more extreme actions and justify yeah. it with their faith and that can yeah. go as far as causing harm to other people or harm to themselves as a demonstration of what they truly believe um mm. and also bad tattoos of course there's going to yeah. be bad tattoos right and if you give more money to the church then you've got more chance of becoming an angel yeah 49.95 guys or getting a nice pair of special underwear or getting to the higher levels where you get to meet some celebrities uh george brown ideas on believing harder how would how would you do it with this program that you're selling me why does this 49.99 program work is it 10 steps no there's no do i need steps. a credit card you just you just send money. This is all. <laughs> Do we even get a pamphlet? Do we get access to a website? No, you just send okay. you. You get your canceled check back if you get canceled <laughs> checks. This is a prosperity religion, isn't it? Oh, Absolutely. They, they all are. You know, get out of jail free. Oh, well. You know. Oh, well. I was, You're I, in I heaven forever. I, I was going to curse, but I... Can't. Good for you, George. Don't hey, do that. Good for you. Good for you. Good for you. Larry... <laughs> I guess I'll throw this one out to you before we uh, wrap up, but the true harms of trying to believe harder. The true harm? 
Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's denying reality. And the harder you try, the more reality you're denying. You're put. It's like uh, Jesus take the wheel. You know, it says, give up and give in, give it over to Jesus. Well, but basically what you're doing is just um, punting your problems down the road. They're not going to get any better. Uh, you're you're basically letting fate take its hand. Uh, who knows where that's going to end up? And usually, if you don't have any say in what your what your future is going to be like, it's not going to be what you want it to be. Isn't you're not going to be where you want to be in the future. Um, right. It's yeah. It's so not yeah. recommended. I'll put it that way. I'm going to tell you what my learning lessons are from this conversation. One, I, I, I learned a lot from John Richards by saying you can't increase the rate of how you're believing something. It's a binary state. And then Larry, for you to say, you know, it's not even a, a, a thoughtful action on my part. It's a consequence of whether or not I'm convinced it's true. And mm-hmm. I can spend a lot of my time trying to believe harder in the same way that I could try to fly faster. Like I can't fly like, it's not a choice that I'm making to not fly. It's an inability on my part. And to do it any, or to be asked to do it any faster or fault myself for not doing it as fast enough for, to make something true is so much blame on my part. And what leads to what George was talking about, it just puts a lot of needless guilt on me and adds more of it to the world. We shouldn't have to absolutely make that the foundation for religious belief. We should be able to recognize it for what it is and move on to a better system of thought. George Brown before we close up we've got a little bit of time does, left. Uh, sweet uh, d- does does jesus drive your robocar <laughs> i hope not i we were talking about uh <laughs> even a putt so i do putt with a lot of christians by the way i don't i think they're steadily beginning to realize that i am not a christian myself because there'll be times where someone will putt with a disc and they'll be like, Jesus, take the wheel. And I'll be like, Jesus is a jerk. <laughs> and, they'll the and they'll be like, they'll look at me, but they'll laugh at the same time too. And I'm like, good, good, good. Let everybody know. Let everyone know. But yeah, it's, it's been, it's been fun. Larry, what's up? Yeah. Um, like I was saying about letting Jesus take the wheel, uh, you're simply letting inertia carry you rudderless into the future. Then when you arrive at the next interim destination, good or bad, you be, and you're making the best of it, you'll proclaim, see, God yeah. knew what I needed to do. Lose your job? Well, God knew, knew I needed to lose that job. It's just all good. Never oh, mind the, the story failed in two years after you started your business. Uh, God knew what was going to happen. You know, it's right. just it, he is in a no-lose situation, even though your life may be getting worse and worse. Absolutely true. And it's for you. When you see a neighbor crash and burn almost in the same way you are, you say to that person, well, that person's just not believing hard enough, uh-huh. even though you're in the exact same situation. It's crazy how our brains make things, mm-hmm. stories for ourselves. John, I think I saw your hand up. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jesus Take the Wheel was quite a large country music hit, I think, in your part of the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, not, it's not, not in England? No. Is no. It, <laughs> Jesus Take the Croissant? <laughs> or the biscuit. No market. The no biscuit. Market. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Little market for in here. Oh, well, you anticipate in the next seven years. It's coming. It's coming. I, I wanted to point out that um, believing is not a way of discovering. It's not a reliable method of discovering anything. Mm. So, and these people <laughs> who you know stand in uh, a devastated city where an earthquake has just struck and say thank god i'm alive ignoring all the millions that were killed right by they them. must have been sinners they didn't have enough faith again blaming the victim yes exactly mm. yeah 
we do it, but we need to stop doing it. And is basically what I'm saying. And what's the best way to keep help someone realize that they're doing it? It's to help to enlighten them that you can change your culture that you're in. You can get access to different kinds of information because I think through that exposure alone, you get to start making questions on which set do I appreciate more? And you won't know that until people know where you're coming from. And so if you're talking to a person who only thinks that everyone around them is Christian, let them know you're an atheist. And then if they want to have a conversation with that, have a conversation right, with that. Right. But let them know that not everyone around them is like them. And then they'll have, have to make them start thinking about, well, where's this guy coming from? Sure. What's this guy's attitude? Where's right. his culture coming from? Where do you get your values from? Hey, can we talk about this for a little bit? Because I'm right. really now... I want to know what's going to happen yeah. to my soul. Right. <laughs> you might have some really um, interesting ha- things happen. We need to start winding down at this point. Anyway, all right. Uh, final words. Uh, those were my final words. John Richards, what do you got? Anything you'd like to plug? Plugging? Yeah, sure. My my YouTube channel, Free Thought Productions, is where I do my fun work. And I've done, I've had, I had a break. I had Christmas and New Year off mm. because of couple of things because it was family festive occasion and because i was still suffering from covid but i'm back nice (laughs) he's back and he's bad (laughs) (laughs) i had a couple of excellent uh, programs last night excellent shows i did the the global atheist news which i always enjoy doing and i also had a free thought hour chat with dr lucy rogers really fun person to talk to for our American listeners, John Richards didn't say he's Johann Sebastian Bach. He's saying he's back, back, as in he's returned. <laughs> helping you guys out. Uh, George Brown, so glad that you're you're at least out of the hospital. How yeah, I'm feeling better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And I'm yes, looking. Well, I'm, to- I'm on the road. I'm on the road, and uh, it's it's always exciting to look forward to somebody. I something I don't have all the answers, nice. and. This is one of the reasons why I, I think I've enjoyed being so involved with classical music all my life is that I will never know all of it. I will never have all the answers. I will always have something to look forward to learning. Fantastic. And this makes life world worthwhile to me. Sure, it does. It really does. Yeah, yeah. Life world learning. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, my resources are found at digitalfreethought.com. Be sure to click on the blog button for our radio show archives, atheist songs, and many articles on the subject. I have a book on uh, Amazon called Atheism, What's It All About? What? You never checked that out. I did. I did. And my YouTube channel is found by searching for Larry Rhodes. By the way, if you're a member of clergy, a preacher, imam, pastor, or priest, but no longer believe in the claims of your religion or any religion for that matter, there is help for you at the clergyproject.org. The link is clergyproject.org. Thank you for joining us for the Digital Freethought Radio Hour. Remember, you can find this show on Apple, iTunes, Pocket Cast, Amazon, and Pocket Cast Everywhere podcasts, uh, or just search for Digital Freethought Radio Hour. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. Remember, everybody is going to somebody else's hell. The time to worry about it is when they prove that heavens and hells and souls are real. Until then, don't sweat it. Enjoy your life, and we'll see you next week. Say bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.